0: You are listening to the Energy is Love podcast. Uh, Today's a beautiful, uh, wonderful, super warm, I think it's Wednesday. I don't know what day of the week it is. Anyways, I am up in Montana right now. I'm sitting in a park in the middle of Bozeman outside. You can probably hear the trees and the birds. Uh, there's a little babbling brook. It's really just an irrigation ditch, but uh, we've got some kids riding by on bikes. It's a, it's a great day. I want to explain first and foremost why I'm out here. Granted, we're going to get to this wonderful episode that you're about to listen to with TJ and Danny, but this week I came up to uh, Montana to help out with the Everyman Yellowstone Expedition. Um, I know if you are a longtime listener of the podcast, you've heard me talk about Everyman before. We've had some episodes highlighting, uh, first off, the founder of Everyman, Dan Doty. Uh, he's been on the podcast before i've talked about my experience with everyman as well as uh, the men's group that we have in salt lake city which kind of stemmed from my experience on the yellowstone expedition that took place last year this is their second year doing the expedition so 16 men went into yellowstone park earlier this week and I get to hang out and run support for them when they get back so it's been a lot of fun Been actually incredible. The reason I want to bring it up and talk about it is because of how impactful it has been in my life but also how impactful I've seen it in other men's lives. Not just this expedition specifically but the work that every man is doing and also the work that takes place in the men's groups that's one of the main things that every man is about is facilitating and helping men across the country really across the world get started in this space and getting them the information and the support that they need to actually start a local men's group and it's a game changer it really helps in so many different ways i mean i i could sit here and ramble on and on and on about all the benefits that i've gained from participating in our men's group back in salt lake city but um Go listen to some of the episodes i think episode 99 is actually with some of the men that uh, sit in that men's group and like i said it's just been the biggest impact on my life this past year so uh, i guess that's enough about that for now go check out everyman it's evryman.co um, go listen to the episodes that we've done they've also got a podcast the everyman podcast Uh, that Dan hosts. It's a great, great show. And then if you are local in Salt Lake City, Ogden, Provo, anywhere along that Wasatch Front, please reach out if you're interested in coming and checking out our men's group. You can just email me directly, go to our website, energieslovepodcast.com, click on that contact tab up top. Uh, But if you're interested, if you're curious, if you want some more information, if you want to know what it's about, if you want to come check it out, please hit me up. We'd love to have you. So the universe did a wonderful job of sinking and coordinating and aligning the stars up so when i was here while i'm here in bozeman i was able to hang out with tj and danny fry they are good friends of us that stephanie and i met a few years back when they were living in utah and you've heard uh tj on the podcast as well i should have gone back and looked and seen what episode he was on but he's a professional driver danny is a personal trainer artist coach she does a bunch of different really cool things as well her, her art is amazing but they're a fun couple and while i was here they were actually they don't live in bozeman but they live in montana and they were coming through so it worked out perfect where we got to hang out for a little bit and record this super fun episode in this beautiful park so that's what you're about to listen to and i want to thank tj and danny for taking the time out it was super fun to get a chat with them it's a great episode we got into a couple of different little areas of topics and conversations that I just absolutely loved it. It was so beneficial hearing them talk openly about some things and expressing some things, but also just fun to kind of hear their banter back and forth as well. They're both really, really cool people. Super spoiled and lucky to get to do what I do and just get to sit back and enjoy. So hopefully you guys will enjoy as well. Uh, You can find them online on Instagram. T.J. is T.J. Drives. Uh, you've got Danny Drive. She's also Danny the Bohemian, I believe, is the name of it, the uh, Instagram account. We've got all the links where you can find all of them. And I highly recommend that you go and follow them. The, right at the end of the episode, they talk about coming up in July. I think it's like technically it starts next week. They are doing this huge event where they drive across a portion of the country to raise money for a foundation called COPS, which is, I'm going to butcher it, I don't remember what COPS stand for, but it basically is a nonprofit organization that benefits um, police officers and families of police officers and things like that, that have been injured in the line of duty and whatnot. So that alone, I'm very excited about. And they talk about it at the end of the episode, giving you an idea of exactly what they're doing and how you can donate to the cause and all that kind of stuff, which is a tax write-off at the end of the day. So I highly recommend it. But go to the show notes. Find all the links where you can follow them. If you go to our Facebook page, you can also find all the information there for TJ and Danny and where to follow and where to find them. Go follow them on Instagram because they're going to be kind of documenting and recording their whole experience during this rally. And it's going to be a lot of fun. They're like I said, they're really cool. And you'll get a sense of it when you listen to this episode. So for now, you guys sit back and relax and enjoy a wonderful, beautiful episode with Dear sweet friends, super cool, amazing people, TJ and Danny Fry. Thank you, guys. You're
1: listening to the Energy is Love podcast.
0: Energy is love. The energy is the love podcast.
1: The energy is love podcast.
0: Energy is love. The energy is love podcast. The podcast for the universe. The energy is love podcast. That's super fucking relaxing, isn't it? That is not it Yeah, that's way nice.
2: What is that, room temp? Or what did they say? Room, when we're doing... Room tone. Room tone. Yes. Yeah. That's
0: exactly what it is. Um, That's it. We're up. Cool. Yeah. It's happening. It's streaming live right now. Oh, st- oh we're live. <laughs> you guys can't see I mounted cameras before you got here. <laughs> so this is it's all going drone. out. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm so happy to see you guys. <laughs> so right good back to see after you. you. Thank you for having us. We're excited yeah. to be here. It worked out really, 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 really well. Yeah, it did. Which tells me it's a good thing that we should be sitting down right now recording the podcast. So... Agreed. Thank you.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I forgot to ask you guys too before we started, do you care if I smoke? And if you do, you can totally say yes on air and you'll be fine. It no, does fine. not bother me at all. Okay. No. Um, also, we should mention that we are recording outside in a beautiful park in the middle of Bozeman. I don't know the name of the park. I forgot to get it. But um, if you hear stuff in the background as you're listening, then that's why. Because we're on location. By a, We'll pretend that that's like a big babbling brook instead of just like an irrigation ditch but
2: we'll just call it pin drop there you go
0: (laughs) (laughs) we're in uh valley unit park there you go yeah so guys i don't know if you guys have had a chance to listen to some recent episodes of the podcast but back in april april or may i don't remember i went on this big ass long hiatus where i didn't record a lot of episodes because we were so busy with so many different things And when I started back up, I've been asking guests the same question at the beginning of every episode as kind of a way to kick it off. All right, And it's not an easy question. Uh Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It's a really, I guess for some people it may be easy, but it's kind of a challenging question. And so I want you guys to each take a turn um, answering it. Okay. And I'll give you a little, I always give a little bit of background uh, and I'm sure people that listen obviously know why, but now you guys know why. So the question is, What form of mental illness do you suffer from? And whether you want to think about mental illness as like, you know, that big, huge spectrum of everything that consists of, or even just in your day-to-day life, your mental well-being, your balance, because I think illness has a negative connotation. So it's more or less like your mental balance. Where do you struggle? Where do you uh, get caught up in from time to time throughout your life? And the reason I ask that question is because I think that everybody has one form of mental illness or another, and it is just a huge spectrum that everybody falls on. And I'm fucking tired of people not talking about it and the way that it's portrayed in like everywhere, not just throughout media, but also in conversations with, you know, even the people that you're close to and things like that. Nobody wants to discuss kind of the harder stuff of. This is what I'm dealing with. We all just want to assume that everybody's fine. And then if they're not fine, don't talk to me about it. You got to go get some help and go talk to somebody. Right. So that's the reason behind the question is just to bring it out into the open, get people thinking about it, talking about it. And then the people that are on the podcast get to lead the way for everybody else out there that's listening.
2: I was thinking about this on the drive over, actually.
0: Really? Yeah. Do you want to go first then? Sure.
2: Yeah. Um, (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was driving and I like to just zone out and, and think about things and I annoy myself with how um, I get in my own head and I like, I always want to not care what people think, but I always assume the worst. And um, it comes across in, and because we're going to be doing this rally soon, and I know there's going to be times where I'm going to be like either driving on a drag strip or doing something on a track. And rather than thinking about how fun it is, I think about, well, okay, girl driver, people are going to be thinking, you know, either she's good for a girl or she's going to do terrible. And, and I think about all the wrong stuff instead of being in the moment and having fun. I think about what other people are going to think about me. And I do that with so many things. Like even even with my family, if I haven't seen them in a while and if they're in a bad mood because of something, I'll think it's, oh oh no, what did I do? What did I say last time I, I saw them? And that's been my biggest hurdle is just getting out of my own head and um, working on my self-confidence and being like, it's not, like not everything is negative. Not everybody thinks... You know, these bad things that you think.
0: Yeah. So if you had to label it, even though I like that's the other thing that I fucking hate the stereotypes and the labels, but we have to have words in a sense so mm-hmm. that we can put it in context. What do I, you think?
2: Uh, I mean, the, the big bucket would just be um, what? Self-confidence. Anxiety. anxiety Danny. You know. Straight up anxiety. <laughs> 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 yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's super common, right? Yeah. Everybody has anxiety about all sorts of different things. And that's a really common way that it manifests as well, I think, too, because undoubtedly everybody is concerned with how
1: people view them Mm -hmm. because we all want to be accepted in the end.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I don't think anybody wants to admit it, but we all do want approval from other people for one reason or another. Yeah. You know, there's certain areas of life where we may not care so much.
2: Um, well, especially now with social media, it's how many likes, how many friends, I mean, it. Just...
1: I, I like to call those vanity metrics. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, people are like, Oh, I have this many thousands of followers or whatever. And it, that doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's, it's ultimately the impact you can have on people that's unrelated, but point being, yeah. it's, uh, it is, everybody wants approval in something, something that's important to you matters, you know, like for you it's family. Um, and so I think we all kind of have to at some point put aside the I guess, selfish implications and just admit that we do want approval from people on something that's important to us to validate that maybe we're doing the right thing or feel better about it. And that's okay. For sure. Yeah.
0: Danny, go a little bit deeper if you can, because some of the ones that are very easy for people to kind of express and share are Mm -hmm. like, oh, I get depressed every now and then. So I have a little bit of depression or anxiety where I get a little anxious and nervous and stuck in my head. But if you can think back, even over the course of your life too, because I think that, Uh, That mental balance that we all struggle with Mm -hmm. and work at is uh, ebb and flow, where we'll have times where we go real fucking deep into depression or something else, and then other times when we're super happy and everything's okay.
2: I am usually pretty good with not um, going too deep into depression, but not for a good reason. um, Because... I I grew up with uh, divorced parents and and in my mind it was always like when things got tough, Danny got shipped off somewhere else and it was somebody else's problem. So I I always picked myself up and always, you know, you always wanted to be the happy kid because nobody wants to be around a grumpy person. So I never really allowed myself to express the negative side. So I've always, um, you know, put on a happy face and, you know, did something to pick myself up. So I've never really... And I think that's not a good thing that I haven't let myself go um, that far negative.
1: Well, I, I think I want to add to that if that's all right. By the way, just so everybody knows, Danny and I are married, so we uh, we do know each <laughs> I was other gonna clarify pretty well. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I snagged two random strangers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah nice to meet you. Uh, <laughs> so one of the things that, uh, and I'm sure Danny'd be happy to point out some of my issues as well, but uh, one of the things that I notice is. Um, your interactions with your family uh, don't reward going deep on the negative level. Um, it's it's kind of, a, you guys use, you're hilarious. All of them are very witty and funny, but you guys use humor as a way to deflect uncomfortable conversations. Big
2: time. Big time.
1: Yeah. So it's it's interesting, you know, when when you and I even have like an uncomfortable conversation, like I have to, basically like pound my way through the humor and the wit to be able to get anything through mm-hmm. um, but you do a really good job once you actually open up and allow yourself to be vulnerable it's it's really cool to see how far you can get like that big conversation that you had with your dad a few years ago was was a big one i know you know which one i'm talking I about don't. about <laughs> you and eric your stepbrother oh, and yeah. yeah that was a big moment right and you came back and, yeah. and you're like wow that was huge Um, So it's just, it's amazing to me that even though it's not a common thing that you guys still, when you do have those conversations, it's, it's, you're still able to do that. Like you still want that. Yeah, I'm proud of you. Well, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) KTJ, you're up. Okay. Um, Which ways are you fucked up? (laughs) Oh man, so many. Uh, It's a bigger list than I think the ways I'm not fucked up. Uh, My biggest thing is, as I think both of you guys know, is I really struggle with uh, self-worth. So I, I have this deeply seeded uh, lack of, I mean, self-worth really is the best way to put it because I never feel that I'm good enough no matter what I'm doing, no matter how hard I'm working. I could always be working harder. Uh, if I'm doing this, I could be doing something else. Um, the grass is always greener on the other side sort of thing. And uh, that's really, really difficult to swallow in a lot of ways because I have... Uh, you know, a career that I do really enjoy. I'm very grateful for, but I have people constantly like, Oh my God, man, I would kill to do what you do for a living. And, um, you know, race cars professionally and drive cars, play with cars for a living, whatever. And it's just, it's really hard to still feel like, man, I could be doing so much better. I could be making more money. I could be traveling more. Danny and I could spend more time together. You know, um, that's, that's probably been the thing that holds me back. It keeps me from starting projects from, making the initial step because i just i don't want to do it because if i don't do it then there's no i can't be good or bad at it if i don't ever do it and and that sucks yeah no risk of failure right if we just sit back and not act yeah so i talk a really big game and i have really as danny will vouch you know i have very grandiose ideas and i just don't follow through on them because i don't feel like i deserve it i guess so that's a I think that's my biggest one.
0: Have, I, <clears throat> have either of you ever had points in your life where you thought that, now, now whether or not you ever had points in your life where maybe you seeked out some counseling or some therapy, or maybe you had moments where you thought, I should, and if I do, then I'm nervous and afraid that they're going to diagnose me with this thing or that thing, right? Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. Um, I've done therapy a number of times throughout my life. Um I have usually found, I, I would say I've, every time I've done it, I've found it beneficial. It's it's a, a measure of whether or not, like how beneficial it can be. But, um, yeah, I, I've had good success with, with counseling and, you know, even um, even visiting with you and Stephanie a couple times and, and really enjoying the conversations that we had and learning more things about myself even through that process was, was pretty amazing. But I'm not necessarily afraid that they're going to label it. Um, I mean, I want to get rid of that. I want to be a better person. So it's it's not that I'm afraid of having a label on it. It's just... I don't really know how to get past it. I can... I know what it is. Now I just... I don't know what the hell to do at this point. So mm,
2: I don't like the label. I, w- I would go to counseling all the time if if it was feasible. Because I, I think it's kind of like um, going to the gym or personal training. I mean, there's always going to be something yeah. to, to talk through or to work on. Um, but I... I don't know, I feel like we get so caught up in, in labels and then, let's say you're working on an issue and then, you know, the person that you're working with puts a label on it but what if that label isn't exactly what you're working on and then all of a sudden you have these other, um, you know, you put yourself in a box when you could have recovered from it faster if there wasn't a label on it. So I've, I don't know. I If it was a consistent like once a week thing and, and then you're just constantly striving to be better, that. That's I would do that in a heartbeat, but...
1: Yeah. I think that'd be good for anybody, though. Yeah. As long as they go into it with an open open mind, you yeah. know, and with a, with a goal of...
2: But if you have an issue and your goal is to, like, I got to find out what's wrong, and then you have a label, I feel like it can go either one of two ways. It's like you can either relax into the label and play the victim and be like, oh, well, this is what I have. I'm going to, you know, and that's just the way it is. Or yeah. you can be like, this is what I have. How do I get rid of it?
1: I think that might... You might actually get more into like a deeper societal issue at that point, which is like, we just want a pill yeah. and you know, you want the easy fix, the easy solution. But in all reality, you know, the people that have heart disease because they're overweight, it's like, well, yeah, give me a cholesterol pill, but what you really need to do is eat healthy and take care of yourself. Uh, But people don't necessarily want that answer. They don't, they don't want to hear, well, you have to have those uncomfortable conversations.
2: It is so much easier to be validated and to play the victim than it is to to take ownership over your stuff and do the work to make yeah. it better. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, not, definitely not the right answer, though.
0: Back in my 20s, <clears throat> uh, probably like my mid-20s, approaching 30 and things like that, I had all sorts of uh, behaviors and the ways that they would manifest that were incredibly unhealthy. And I could watch and look at my life almost from the outside and see – that there was a cycle to it It was very cyclical in nature throughout the year like you know typically in the fall winter months is when i would start to get really down and depressed and then it would manifest in really fucked up ways with my behavior and things like that and then come spring and into the summer and things like that i'd kind of come out of it and i could go back and look and see periods in my life when i was really stuck or you know, uh, like a lot of chaos was taking place and a lot of negative things were happening in my life, and they kind of fit that structure during that time period. And at the time, I was seeing a therapist, and it was incredibly beneficial, and I had the biggest um, nervousness and fear around maybe I was bipolar. And so I had mental illness in my family. Um, I've got an incredibly sweet aunt who we grew up next door to their family, so she was basically like my second mom. And... When I was, how old was I? I was like 13 or 14 years old. My grandfather passed away, and at the time they were living down in Arizona, so they had to kind of caravan down to bring my gran- my grandpa home. And my mom was the one that went down and did that, and my aunt stayed home. And because we lived right next door to each other, I got, um, I got to experience what happened to her in that manic state because she's bipolar. And so I got to see and experience Kind of that manic phase of when she's kind of in that space and it scared the shit out of me as a kid right not having the context to really understand what was going on and this was my aunt that I loved and cared about and um, so I had that fear growing up and it wasn't just my aunt My, I mean we have a long line of like <laughs> easily diagnosed clinical issues with our family and um, so when I was in my 20s and I was seeing this therapist I was worried about that right but I was open to it, and I wanted to, it's kind of the same thing you guys were talking about. Like, if we can identify it, then I can move past it and work towards it. Right. And in that process of going through therapy with him, it was like, yeah, you're probably not really bipolar. Because I never quite had the massive swings that people that are bipolar are, where you get really manic or really depressive, right? The two opposite ends of that spectrum. But I would still fluctuate in that space. And so he threw out a term, which I had never heard before, which is like another clinical diagnosis, which is cyclophymia. And essentially, it's just a lesser degree of like full-blown manic-depressive bipolar. And at the time, it made sense. It kind of gave me some context for what I was experiencing. It gave me some stuff to kind of look at, some research that I could now pinpoint and learn about. But then it's almost like when I continue to grow up, right, because we always do, I'm if you guys think back to... it, Well, how old are you guys? You guys aren't in your late 20s anymore. 31. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's these phases in your life where you're yeah. like, fuck, <laughs> I'm squared away and I'm living my adult life and everything's fine. And then like 10 years later, you're like, I was dumb as shit. <laughs> and I can look back <laughs> yeah. at that time period where I just really didn't understand so many different things. Um, I'm trying to think where I was going with this, but I didn't let that necessarily define me in a sense, right? And for a time period, I kind of wore the label... And I even kind of used it as an excuse at times to not really take full ownership of my behavior and my actions, but then through time and through practice and really like that in hard internal work, like you're talking about, like it wasn't just a pill, right? Right. I had to really go into the process of learning about me and my mental balance and my emotional balance and all these kind of different things. Now today, which is like 10 years later, um, I don't feel like I classify or fit into that at all. But at the same time, I can still recognize my natural patterns and cycles in life. And when I start to see them pop up or if I can kind of sense that, oh, this is uh, maybe thought process because that's typically how it starts for me where it may not necessarily manifest in action or behavior. It, it'll manifest in my head first and foremost and just the transitioning of my thoughts. I can recognize those sooner and then have all of these healthy um coping mechanisms as opposed to all the unhealthy coping mechanisms that I used to have and it's massive I mean it's made you know the biggest difference in the world to where I don't think there's anything wrong with you know being diagnosed something whether it's schizophrenic or bipolar or whatever the case may be but I think that all too often we rely upon those labels right we've all met those people who Mm -hmm. wear that almost like a um it's almost
1: uh, an excuse,
0: yeah.
2: It's a validation, and,
0: yeah. yeah. And they use it to kind of define. Oh, it's okay because I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm bipolar or the, whatever. The one
1: that yeah. I think we heard so much growing up was ADD. Yeah. Uh, and and that always, I think there's a, a fine line there that, you know, for anyone that suffers from ADHD or ADD anything like that, I certainly wouldn't mean to belittle it, but I think it was very overdiagnosed. But at the same time, you on the flip side, you have people that say it's, it's overdiagnosed. And so therefore they don't give it any, any validation. It's like, it's it's not real to them. And I think there's somewhere in the middle is what's really happening, which are are people that genuinely have an issue and either people that, you know, take advantage of that and go like, Oh, I just, you know, it's an excuse for this or whatever. Or, or you look at it on, like I said, on the other side and people go like, well, no, that's not real. "Mm, well, it is real. It's just a matter of, like, how real, how real are you going to treat it, you know? is there, Are you, are you going to use whatever your diagnosis is as a reason to avoid doing the things that really would be beneficial to you? Like you said, developing all the, the healthy coping mechanisms. Are you going to take the time and put in the effort and energy to find those, to learn those, and develop those so that that's what you automatically go to when you have, you know, relapse, if you want to call it that? Um, Or or are you just going to say like, well, that's just how I am because I have this. And that's okay. I mean, maybe there's times when you can't do anything. I mean, I don't know. I feel very fortunate to to only have the issues that I do have, you know. So I I really, I I could never understand what anyone else is going through. But I do think there's a lot of people that could really benefit from taking the time and, and and, uh, you know, finding, learning what it is that they actually suffer from and then addressing it healthily, like you said, um, instead of using it as an excuse.
2: And everybody's suffering from something.
1: Yeah. Oh, totally.
2: I don't think there's a single person that doesn't have some issue that could be benefited by working with, with a counselor or a therapist or, you know, a specialist yeah. of some sort.
1: Yeah. Well, I think a big part of it has to do with your mindset, too. You know, yeah. I mean, there, there are definitely people out there that are suffering that just, for whatever reason either won't admit it or can't admit it just you know might be that type of personality where it's
2: we know some yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) we
1: will not name any no uh yeah it's it's a very interesting concept but uh, to me it is important to always be developing and learning and whether that's you know some new physical skill or um you know mental aptitude or learning about something you're passionate about or what have you, but personal development is so important. So I think...
2: I think that's why we're here yeah. on, on like on this planet. I think that's why not we exist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not at the park. Yeah.
1: <laughs> also at the park, <laughs> I guess. Park, yeah. yeah, that's part of it,
2: right?
0: <laughs> well, uh, first off, I forgot too, to mention to you guys, Stephanie says hi, and she was super bummed out that she I didn't know. get a call. awesome. Oh, so please send her our best. Yeah. yeah. And then... Uh, hi, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> TJ, um, Asher talks about you all the time oh yeah he's so funny like anytime I have to travel for work or something like that he's like "Uh, are you gonna go see TJ like where's TJ I'm like no buddy, I'm not like in the same area where TJ lives and we'll drive past the uh, motorsports park and he's like he'll talk about it all the
1: time Aww. well please tell him I still have his car that he gave me <laughs> that's and, awesome and uh, it's one of my most prized possessions uh, <laughs> but I will be down there in about a month or so so maybe we can swing oh, out cool. and grab dinner with you guys and see him again that's yeah, he yeah. Was, I, when he found out too because
0: uh, you know I told him I'm coming up here for the week and stuff that's the very first thing not, not what was I going to be doing or what was going on he's like are you going to see Hey, TJ, oh. like, you know, gotta <laughs> make awesome. sure tell him that I say thank you so much. Cool, he was man. Super, super happy about it. But
1: yeah, thank you for sharing that with
0: me. That means a lot. <laughs> um, we were talking about personal development towards the end there, right? Yeah. And yeah. what I wanted to ask you guys is because I agree, if you're in the space of bettering yourself, right? And I know both of you, and I think that both of you kind of are in that space, you know, where you want to constantly improve. Um, what right now do you guys have? that you're really into, that you've, you know, come across in the last six months or a year that you're really trying to incorporate and work in and all that kind of stuff?
2: Um, I have been reading so many books about um, focus and really using your whole um, being to be productive and get a lot done in a shorter amount of time. But by being in the moment, um, like physically feel well, mentally you're prepared for it spiritually you're you're solid to to work on um whether it's like a piece of artwork or organizing you know all the hotels and and stuff for a rally i mean whatever the project is um really trying to learn about how to um get everything in alignment to be um the most efficient person possible so um what the power of focus reading that one um power of total engagement is a book i'm reading now and then i just got done reading one i think it's total focus and it's written by a um a seal i can't remember the guy's name but it, it was a really good book
0: Did yeah
1: former navy seal i haven't yeah. read that one yet it's but good it's on my list i'm so I i'll have continue. to share it with
2: you so you can write it in the comments so that people if they're interested they can yeah yeah we can can know, like, up. Yeah, yeah
1: it's a killer one um I I am actually I will be honest I'm pleasantly surprised that you say that but I thought you were gonna say fitness because she has really like you said about six months and about six months ago she was like I'm getting in shape and just started (laughs) going to the gym and eating healthy and which takes
2: a lot of focus
1: it really (laughs) it really does uh but no I'm really proud of you she's she's been going to the gym an awful lot and uh you know taking care of herself and putting in the time and effort to learn and you know she's watching like podcasts or, or listening to podcasts and watching uh you know youtube videos and and just tons of content and learning and just soaking up fitness stuff like a sponge and it's really really cool to see um so yeah i'm I, i'm honestly a little surprised you didn't mention that but
2: uh well i mean the the fitness and the physical part of it is i enjoy it but it's also because i think better and my mood is better and I'm I, I'm just I'm happier when I'm in shape and then I can and then I can dedicate that um, heightened state into something like my art or you know, a project that we're working on. So you
1: think bigger overarching is, is focus and that's yeah. just part. All right, cool. Yeah, I mean, no, that the, makes perfect sense. It, I just hadn't thought about it.
2: The that. biggest thing is, is mental and I, I use getting in shape and making sure that my body is healthy in order to mentally work better.
1: That was deep, man.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: that's one uh, That's one that Steph and I have like tackled in the last probably six months mm-hmm. and specifically like our gut health because mm-hmm. there's so much of that kind of information out there right now in regards to what that actually means and how much our gut biome and everything like that actually plays a role. And it's been fascinating mm-hmm. to kind of self-experiment is the excuse that I use, right, where I'm secretly like, you know using my body for a science project in reality it's just um being lazy and lackadaisical when it comes to like diet and health and having moments of time where we binge and fuck up and things like that but at the end of the day it's very easy to watch and see where i feel like we get a really because we're like we're on a really good stream of probiotics Mm -hmm. uh we eat a lot of that kind of food that is designed to strengthen your gut biome and all that kind of stuff and then when we go off of that and have moments of whether it's a, a day or a week or a month, <laughs> uh, you can see it oh, yeah. clearly how it. much it affects, not just physically, but emotionally and mentally. Mm-hmm. Like I was really, I had a moment not too long ago, it was probably like a month ago, where I realized I was like so fucking angry and upset and depressed and stressed out. And I was sitting outside and I'm like, Uh, my life's pretty good like why am i overly stressed (laughs) right now where everything that i want is happening i've got you know less stress with work and all these kind of other areas the family's healthy and good why am i feeling this way and it's like oh my god well over the past two three weeks i've been eating like shit and fucking up my gut and uh it's been really really neat to watch that process and play out and so that's been huge for us lately is just trying to um not play around with that but to keep that uh, in a in a healthy place, yeah, and then kind of reap the benefits because it's like you were talking about where, if you're clear headed and if you feel good mentally, um, in conjunction with physical activity and your physical fitness and exercise and everything like that, it just makes everything so much yep. fucking easier. It does, and
2: more enjoyable. Yeah, you know, then you like you're you're in the moment more, so you're just you're happier about these little little things.
1: Well, I think it gives you a lot of perspective too, because yeah. there's a lot of people. That haven't done physical activity since gym class you know what I mean and so when you
2: I've trained some of them <laughs>
1: Yeah. well and that's not to say there's anything necessarily inherently wrong with that but I do think that you know eating healthy and fitness are very important for, for a multitude of reasons but also for your mental health and so like you said when you were sitting down and you're sitting outside and you're going like well, why do I feel this way I don't think unless you had had the few weeks or whatever it was where you had felt good, mm-hmm. unless you had that to compare your current state, you wouldn't know that there was anything wrong. So I think it really does give you a great perspective to be able to say, why don't I feel as good as I used to? And then be able to say, oh, well, here's the big change. And so it, it's that's really that's really fascinating to me, because ultimately you want to you want to be able to do that more often. You want to catch yourself mentally and be like this. I'm, I'm being stupid. And I know it, (laughs) you know, and so, yeah, I think perspective is a big part of it too. What have you had lately, TJ? Um, I don't know, quite a bit. I, uh, I've been struggling with, I've been struggling with starting some things that I really, really want to do that I genuinely believe that I would be good at, but I still for some reason just keep putting it off and putting it off. I'm basically like a professional procrastinator at this point which is like funny and Danny's laughing right now, but it's, uh, it's really disappointing and I'm kind of upset with myself about it. But, um, yeah, I think that's been, I I think all stems back to my, you know, not feeling confident in myself and just, you know, being afraid to actually pull the trigger. So I think, I think they're related, but I don't, well, I was, I
0: mean, th- that's wonderful. Not, I mean, that's not wonderful that you feel that way. <laughs> Thank but, um, you. <laughs> what I was asking kind of in the context of like, what new shit are you exposing yourself to and you wanting to incorporate more into your yeah. life? Oh. <laughs>
1: Do you want to feel this one yeah. wife? Is that what I'm smelling over here? The,
2: like I noticed a huge change in TJ's was... um, attitude and his mood and his productivity when uh, after he read the book Miracle Morning. And yeah. started to um, meditate every morning,
1: Yeah. night and day. So that was actually what I was going to say, but Sorry. since she knows me well enough. I was excited. <laughs> no, so I, I read this book uh, called The Miracle Morning. It's written by a guy named Hal Elrod, H-A-L-E-L-R-O-D. Um, the reason I spell it out and take the time to really focus on it is because it really was uh, a life-changing book for me. Um, that is super cl- cliche to say, and I get that most people are just going to gloss right over that, but this book absolutely did change my life um sticking to it at this point has been my challenge but the gist of it is i when i'm doing it i actually get up at five o'clock in the morning every morning regardless of what i have to do and i do six things uh and and they're essentially the six things that all successful people or that a, a multitude of successful people attributed their success to one is meditate another is journal um, exercise affirmations, and uh, of course I'm forgetting the other two at the moment, but there's, there's a list of things that I do every single morning and I have them written down, uh, the savers and read, read is another one. Yeah. And then, um, Gratitude? Anyway. Is
2: that
1: another one? No, V I forget the V what the V is, but anyway, point being there's, there's a list of things I do every morning. And I think the biggest one really is meditation. Um, tell me what your meditation looks like in the morning. I'm not good at meditating so I use guided meditation I have about three or four that I use one that I probably use 80% of the time it's just about a 10 or 11 minute video on YouTube and I put my headphones on and start playing it there's no actual video it's just the audio that I use and close my eyes and I just kind of let this lady walk me through a, a quick guided meditation Um It's focused around positive attitude and uh, increasing your productivity throughout the day. So that's been a big one for me because if I need to do, if I need to get things done, which is basically my life at this point, uh, it really does help me get a lot of stuff done. And so starting out the day, that's the first thing I do is do that meditation. And then it it really does kind of start the ball rolling. Plus at five o'clock in the morning, nobody's calling me, nobody's texting me, I'm not getting any emails or notifications on my phone, which I usually you know, leave alone except to play the video, so I turn it on, do not disturb. But nobody's bothering me, it's my own time. I can sit there and read for five minutes or an hour if I feel like it. And, and so I usually do each thing for about ten minutes, there's six of them, and, and it takes me about an hour to do my Miracle Morning. And, and when I'm doing that, I've taken about two weeks off, which I really shouldn't have, but I did. When I'm doing that, it really has uh, made a significant difference in, in my life as a whole. And so I, I recommend that book to anybody. It's a in, super easy read. In what ways do you feel like it's made a difference? Because well, sometimes some things are so like,
0: like you know, out there in the ethos where it's hard to kind of sure. classify it or point
1: to it and say, but if you could. I'm, I'm way more productive just in, in general. And I know that might be broad. But as far as, you know, in the morning time, when I do my journal, the particular one that I use is it's just an app called journal and it's super, super simple. But I list three things that I'm grateful for, uh, three things that I need to accomplish that day. And then at the end of the day, I go back and I revisit that and I write down, you know, what are three things that are awesome that happened today? And what could I have done to make today better? So just through journaling, I have a list of three things that I need to accomplish that day I, and then at the end of the day I go back and I go okay did I accomplish those things and it, and I hold myself accountable so just through one of those acts I've now held myself accountable and I've actually given myself something to do uh, so that's been very helpful the meditation is huge as well because that just puts me in a better frame of mind for the remainder of the day and when you do that first thing in the morning uh, you know it doesn't require nearly the willpower to be able to do it. I just get up and I do it. Um, you know, willpower is, is a lot like a muscle, I believe. And so the more you use it throughout the day, the less you have. So it's a lot harder for me to work out after a day at work than it is to do it in the morning when I'm feeling fresh. So it's easy for me to go down and jump on the treadmill and pump some iron in the morning. Um, so all of those things that I do, it's, it's easier to get them done and then they're done. And then I feel good. And, and because I've started with momentum, it just spills over into the rest of my day. And I find myself, I'm not looking on Facebook as much anymore. I'm not wasting time on Instagram. I'm i am posting content rather than consuming it. Um, that's been really, really huge. And actually like minor little things like posting content instead of consuming it is is—is massive. I haven't been really on Facebook religiously for a couple months now since I started doing this. That alone has saved me probably an hour or more a day. I didn't realize how much I was actually on social media until I quit using it. But I wouldn't have quit using it if if it wasn't for the fact that I was just in this productive mode and I just found myself one day I was like, "Damn, I haven't logged on to Facebook in like a week. I wonder what's going on." And I logged in, there's like 40 max notifications. I'm like, "Holy shit." Like <laughs> I don't care about any of this. Like, why, <laughs> why? do I need? Why do I need this? Like, anybody I want to talk to is going to send me a message on my phone. They're going to call me or text me and, and or email me or whatever. Like, I can. I don't. I don't need to deal with this. Yeah. Um, and that was a, a really cool perspective to get. So, yeah. Overall, it's really just increased my productivity. I feel better throughout the day. I feel like I have more energy. Um,
2: and that comes across in your relationships.
0: Yeah. That's what I was going
1: to ask you. Like, what have you seen
0: change? Oh, yeah. In him?
2: Cause when he wakes up like around nine o'clock when he's done his miracle morning and he's had breakfast and he's worked out and he's already feeling good about himself, then every joke I make is funnier. The food I make tastes better. You know, the conversations we have are better and it. And it's just when you start the day out like that, you're in a, you're in an elevated state that carries over into all of your relationships for the rest of the day. Yeah. And, and you really do notice it cause I'll notice, I'll notice myself just being happier when I wake up and meditate and read and and have my morning routine and it's kind of a bummer when you get out of the habit you're like I know I know I should be doing this like why am I not you know listening to my own advice and yeah and doing because I know it's good it's like working out yeah it's exactly like
1: exercise right
2: yeah you know you're gonna feel good Mm
1: -hmm. yeah you know you're gonna reap the benefits it's just a well so another thing that I read recently was a a book called the power of habit by Charles Duhigg Mm -hmm. and I really really like that one as well it talks about uh the hippocampus which is you know a part of our brain that essentially um, internalizes habitual actions. So uh, over time, instead of using your conscious brain power to accomplish certain tasks, your brain will slowly over time internalize them so that your hippocampus instead of your frontal lobe uh, takes command of a lot of those activities. So uh, for me, one of the things I always struggled with growing up was brushing my teeth. It's it's a stupid thing to struggle with, but that's just, I I was, my parents always told me I had to do it. And I'm the type of person where I was like, no, no. (laughs) And so, so basically I'm kicking myself now, of course, you know, I've got these ridiculously straight yellow teeth because I had to go through braces three times. Uh, But point being like, I wish I would have brushed my teeth. So now I'm trying to build this habit in my thirties, which is embarrassing to admit to wake up in the morning. And the first thing I do is get out of bed and brush my teeth. And a couple things that I've noticed when I do that for like a week or two in a row, then I just, at one point I'll, I'll wake up and I'll be like, oh shit, I'm just brushing my teeth. I didn't even notice I was doing it. It's, it's, it's habitual. Um, but for the first, God, waking up at five in the morning when you when you first start doing it is hellacious. Like the first 10 days, you're just like, this is stupid. I feel awful. Why am I doing this? Uh, but then, you know, days eleven through twenty, it's a little bit easier, and, and you're kind of like, all right, well, this isn't too bad. And then, like after about day thirty, you, you're just you just kind of do it. Like I've, I noticed that I would start. I would just I wake up. My alarm wouldn't even go off. I would just wake up at like four fifty-eight, five o'clock. I just get up and brush my teeth and start doing my day. I'd turn my alarm off before it even went off that which was amazing I'd never really experienced that before so it's uh it was definitely pretty wild but the, but building the habit of doing that made it so much easier and that's why I think you know going to the gym is something else like anything that you can do which is routine it some people hate routine but as human beings it does make things easier to accomplish it makes things easier to do so Um, reading, reading that book was pretty amazing because you can start to see like, wow, the more I do this every single day, the the less effort I have to put into it. Uh, so it's, then you got to start thinking about like, all right, well, what should I build into a habit? You know, should it be the gym? Should it be eating breakfast in the morning? Should it be brushing my teeth? Uh, or, or, you know, should I maybe focus on other things? Should I maybe focus on like responding to emails first thing in the morning because I'm terrible at doing that, you know, whatever it is you can pick that's the amazing thing. You can start to recognize the, the habits that you have like energy drinks, which I'm drinking right now. It's a terrible habit. I shouldn't be doing it. Um, can I replace that with something else? Uh, can I recognize that I need to build a habit in a certain area or defeat a bad habit? He talks about smoking a lot because that's a big one that people uh, struggle with. I have no idea what you're talking yeah, about. I'm sure you do <laughs> <laughs> But But he talks about that one quite a bit. And, and he says that ultimately for most people it becomes a habit it's not really even about the the feeling that you get anymore it's just the habit, like breaking that habit Like how do you replace that uh it's and it's fascinating you know you find something else you can replace with it it's just now you're playing with like the programming of your brain and and your mind and how you know and then and then it starts to become like who you are and that's why like all these successful people they're like what do you mean you don't meditate like that's I do that every morning. That's weird that you don't, mm-hmm. even though, like st- statistically, most people don't meditate regularly. Right. Even though I would argue that they should. Uh, but I-, I think a lot of it just becomes if it's so normal to you and so internalized that it's habitual and you do that automatically, that can make you arguably a better person um, without really having to make a major change. You know, like you change things for a little while and then it's just. It just becomes you, becomes who you are. So I don't know. That was a fascinating read too. That's been really big for me.
0: Yeah. It sounds like it. It sounds like it's been a big game changer for you. Yeah. It makes me happy, man. Thanks. I'm I'm a big proponent of all of those things that you talked about with your morning routine. I think, I mean, it's obvious in the way that you describe it and the effects that you've had from it, that it's been beneficial. And I agree. I think that those things are wonderful to incorporate. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to ask you too, earlier when we were talking about all the, uh, mental balance issues that we all struggle with, you guys have been together for like 10 years. Yeah. Is yeah, that about just right? Just shy of a decade. Okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And then married for seven or eight?
2: Uh, married for th- two, three, two and a half. Oh, two and okay. A
0: half. Yeah. Either way. A little over two. Yeah. yeah. Being together for 10 years yeah. is a yeah. long time. Um, I wanted to ask you guys because I think that they're, you guys kind of mirror each other in a yeah. sense, right? Yeah, we, yeah, we, we
2: have to talk about, about this. this. <laughs> yeah. we were, like literally two days ago, I was like, our relationship, we're like mirrors for each we other. We really
1: complement one another. But yeah. it's
2: like we reflect our issues on one another and it's annoying. Well,
0: that's what I want to talk about because <laughs> yeah. I think that's super, uh, like that's the reality of it, mm-hmm. right? Where you can step outside of it and see and have the realization of it. I know that's been massive for Stephanie and I mm-hmm. where we have had so many issues that have been brought brought to the surface through one another and we get the opportunity to either continue to let it fuck us up individually or as a couple, or we get the opportunity to kind of move through it and bring balance to it and kind of heal from it in a sense. So, what have you guys seen in the time that you've been together? Because obviously, in the beginning, you don't see any of that shit. You're just like happy to be together
1: and everything's hunky dory. Yeah, she was pretty much perfect for like the first six months. <laughs> so, yeah. But then after, really gone downhill from that. No, I'm just kidding. Which <laughs>
2: wine? I get better with age.
0: <laughs> you settle into a relationship and then that's when these things come up, right? So, what have you guys seen? And then, how have you been able to manage through that space?
2: I am stubborn. And no, (laughs) what's been frustrating for me is seeing things that TJ does and it drives me crazy, but I do it myself. And then, and then it's like, well, if he's not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. But if I don't do it, he's not going to do it. And then then it becomes like this pissing match of who's going to change first when, when you both have the same issue. So you just got to suck it up and move forward.
1: I I have to. I'm going to air some of our dirty laundry here. Oh, so no. uh, <laughs> we we had a conversation, I would say, three or four years ago. Uh, and we just recently had the, I, the same conversation as in, what, three days, two, three days ago? Yeah. And uh, we still need to follow through on that. But anyway, um, I, I, we both have a lot of frustration for one another i think that's part of being married because you know someone so well we also have a great deal of respect for one another and admiration Uh, and so i i love watching what danny's capable of when she goes to the gym and completely transforms you know her body and her way of life or when she sits down and paints for an art show like a week and a half before the art show and is able to create these stunning works of art out of thin air in no time at all i have no idea how she does it it's it's fucking incredible (laughs) and i'm saying that publicly because i genuinely mean that but it is incredible i love your work i want to talk about it. (laughs) It, it, it it really is it's amazing but but the fact is that most people don't see you know we she had a show in february and, and has another one in August, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, February to August, roughly six months. You just recently started painting. It is now like end of June. So it's not like it takes you six months to create this incredible stuff. It's probably in the end going to take you about two weeks. That's just how you work. Mm-hmm. Um, that drives me absolutely bonkers to see how much you are capable of but then you'll wait until the last minute and somehow pull it off. And that drives me nuts. But at the same time,
2: his procrastination.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I, like I said earlier, I'm, I am definitely like a professional procrastinator. So I see her do that. And I know that it bothers me so much because I know that I'm doing the same thing. And, and so what ultimately happens, I think is we see each other doing the same thing. And it just, like you were saying, Danny, it, Gets us into this cycle, and so for me, struggling to—I know personally—struggling to feel like I'm, you know, worthy worthy of of achieving the goals that I want to achieve. Um, I know that, like, I, I want to see her succeed and and accomplish all of her goals because, to me, at least in the back of my brain, which may not make sense logically, but in the back of my mind, I go, "Well, if she can overcome the procrastination thing." then maybe there's a chance that I can do it. But I really do hold her in such high esteem that I think subconsciously when I see her do that, it's like, man, if she can't get over it, there's no fucking way I'm going to be able to. And that's a terrible excuse. It's a terrible you know, way to look at things, but I think really that's part of it. And so I so badly want her to succeed, not only because she's my wife and I love her and, and she deserves it, but also because I, I want to go like, all right, you know what? She's done it. Like... There's a chance like you can do it, too. And uh, and so I really do. I really do want to see that. And and it's part of it is selfish, if I'm honest. But um, we've talked about potentially managing one another. And instead of, you know, like my big thing for her has been like, well, you know, call art galleries, figure out what it takes to get you in those galleries. Worst case scenario, they say no, but at least you're one step closer and, and that hasn't really happened. So I'm going to, I'm potentially just going to start calling galleries and saying, Hey, I manage this wonderful artist. And would you like to talk to her and blah, blah, blah. Cause I'm willing to make those calls. Cause I genuinely believe in her that much. And I know that when it comes down to like me building my course, which is something that I want to work on, I'm sure that she's going to start putting things together and making moves that are, that's going to hold me accountable too. Uh, and so that's something that we've talked about just because we really do believe in each other. Uh, I think Making moves for one another is hopefully going to help us get past that procrastination thing. But
2: I think for both of us, the the big thing, like I haven't really called galleries because I don't want to deal with rejection, <laughs> and because <laughs> I'm going to assume the worst, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think it's the same thing with you and your course. It's that fear of failure and fear of what if
1: nobody buys what it. If, what if? Yeah.
2: Yeah. What if I, you know, spend all this time creating something that nobody nobody sees any value in and that's that's hard so and I think if we try to you know represent each other then it kind of takes that fear of failure out of it because I can I can approach TJ and be like hey somebody liked your course but they wanted x y and z in it as well or he could come to me and say like hey they're interested in your art but they want it to be you know this size and painted on wood instead of canvas or yeah I think it'll be a lot easier to um to help each other if we take take each other's weaknesses and
1: yeah what well, would be like a filter for each other yeah. I think you yeah. know because some of that is some of that that's it's hard to hear when somebody doesn't like something that you're right. very passionate I'm going to
0: give you guys like this is the moment in the podcast where I'm going to drop like a massive fucking truth bomb truth okay. bomb yeah. ready so you both are struggling in that space of uh, self-doubt mm-hmm. and fear over rejection and not wanting to put yourself out there and how do we manage that how do we cope with that and how do we move through that So this is like the, like, this is the part, if you're listening, you want to make sure you really, really pay attention, like get the fuck over it (laughs) 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 because you're going to fail time and time and time and time again. So much of everything that we do is just the simple practice of it. And you're not practicing failing, which means you're not going to get any better at it. And so everything that you've ever done before, like, think about it. You didn't graduate high school or you didn't become a teenager or you didn't, you know, get your first job and you're not still doing that today, at some point that had to change. So much of life is the evolution and the change in all aspects. And if we just sat around and didn't do things because we were concerned about failure or how people are going to receive us, then we would never really do anything. Mm. There has been so many things that I have started and stopped that I have given birth to with all my passion and energy to have them fizzle out a month or two months or six months later. But the goal, like the practice for me, is just continuing on that path, right? Because undoubtedly, something's going to click and it's going to have a lifespan, right? You give birth to this idea, to this creation, and it's going to continue on for the natural state of however long it is supposed to. And then it's going to come to an end just like everything else. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, like, just fucking get over it and go do the things that you want to do. Yeah. (laughs) Like, if you want, you know, if you've got a course that you're creating and you want to put out into the fucking world, focus your energy on that and put it out there. And people are either going to receive it or they're not. But it doesn't mean anything about you. It doesn't mean that you failed in any way, shape, or form. It's just the natural process of birthing things because that course may be the first step or it may be the fifth step in the process to get to the tenth step. And the tenth step is the big fucking catalyst for change in so many different ways that you really want it to be but the longer you take to get to that tenth step the longer it's going to take and you'll never know where your art's going to go unless people fucking see it Mm -hmm. you know it's wonderful that you can paint and that your husband gets to appreciate it but the fact is until you throw it out there and get feedback Mm -hmm. from people then you're never going to know where it goes imagine if Van Gogh never fucking showed anybody his paintings right then nobody would be talking about him hundreds of years later. You could be somebody's you know, Van Gogh that they're talking about 100 years from now, Danny, but we'll never see the painting unless you throw it out there. Yeah, just got to do it. It's hard, if, but yeah. it comes with practice, right? Yeah. Yep. So fully accepting the fact that, oh, I'm going to fail. This podcast was something that I have failed and failed and failed over and over and over again, but because at the end of the day, I just love moments like this. Then it's like fuck it. I'll just keep doing it. Yeah. It doesn't matter.
2: This is a good moment. That was really well said. Yeah. The way you, the way you put it together. It's funny
1: because you, you hear that from so many different places where it's like just. I mean, Christ, Nike, just do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you see it everywhere. The people are just like, well, all you got to do is just, just get over it, just do. It. And you're like, it really is that simple. Yeah. But you know, the first step. That's and and I've you know. I think we've all, we've all taken steps, you know, Danny's had an art show. I did a daily YouTube blog or vlog for, you know, two months, um, and then basically fell off the wagon, but, uh, hard. yeah, <laughs> pretty hard, but that's not the failure, right? No, I don't that's think like so. I that... learned a lot from it. And now I know that a daily vlog for myself is not feasible. I can't pull that off. Um, so it's, it's, and, and maintain any sort of quality, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm going to get back into it. Doing one a week is kind of the goal. I think that's much more reasonable. So like you said, always learning and moving forward, but it is just got to get off the treadmill of nothing. And the more awareness, like the
0: things that you talked about earlier in regards to your morning practice, <clears throat> meditation, mindfulness, all of these things that open you up to yourself in the way that you're feeling in the way that you're moving through life. It allows you that deeper, not perception, um, like realization and the ability to kind of see the dynamic way that things align and connect right so the the plan that you want and the clear vision that you have if you hold on to that but then allow for the opportunity for things to come in that are going to really lead you to what you're supposed to be doing right where Um, I mean, this podcast is a good example. I didn't have this idea that I wanted to do this podcast. I had this idea that I wanted to record short little video clips that I could throw up on YouTube where I interviewed people. And I spent all this time and energy in trying to figure out how I was going to make that happen. I just wanted like, you know, a four to five minute long little interview with somebody and then have a YouTube channel and call it good. And I stayed stuck in that for a long time. And then, my beautiful wife was like, you should probably not do that and do this instead. And uh, had I, you know, given up and just never did that, gave birth to that idea or failed and did that. Um, But instead I was open to the ways that the universe comes in and says, hey, you know, this is really where you're supposed to be going. But it's always ongoing. Mm -hmm. It's It's never the end. It's never, you know, the one thing. That was the other thing I wanted to talk to you guys about is, I think you guys are a really good example of how you can do a bunch of shit. Like it's not, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, Danny, you don't just paint. You're not just a personal trainer. Do you know what I mean? Like you do a ton of different things. And I think that that's massively important too. Like the whole concept and idea that our parents were raised with and our parents' parents were raised with where we're going to go and graduate high school and go to college and get one career for the next 40 years, retire and get the gold watch that shit just doesn't apply anymore. It's not applicable in today's world.
2: And it's kind of tough for for people to um still get over that. Like my my parents, well, my dad more specifically asked me like, "So what like what are you doing? When are do you, you know, and yeah, when are you
0: going to get your life together? Yeah. What are you doing with your life?" And
2: I'm like, "Never. I'm never going to grow up. I'm never going to have, you know, the normal job. I, that's yeah. just that I am a terrible employee because I'll work somewhere for a few months, I'll be like, "Ooh, if we do this, you know, we can rearrange things this way. We can change how we operate this way. And nobody nobody wants to hear that from an employee unless you become a manager. And that usually doesn't happen in, you know, like three months' time. But
1: Yeah, forgive me. I'm going to go visit the bushes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll be right behind you soon. Um, so tell me, how did you allow, like, first off, tell everybody your resume. Like, throw out everything that you kind of incorporate in your life at this point that are your passions that you spend oh. your time and energy on.
2: Um so many things I've always been a big fan of I got jobs based on what I wanted to get out of them Um, not just for um, not just to have a job so in high school I was a ski tech because I wanted the discounted snowboards in the in the season pass and then um, in college I was able to I talked myself into a, a, um internship that didn't exist at the Billings Gazette. Um, I said I was going to school for graphic design, and and um, I called them, I think, every day for two weeks, and then finally they were just like, fine, <laughs> come to work for the summer. Um, so then I started doing graphic design while I was going to school for graphic design um, because I, I've always loved art, and I couldn't, when I was going to school, I didn't know how to be a professional artist and graphic design just made sense and bozeman has a really good um graphic design school here so it just that just kind of fell into place um i honestly i sometimes i need to have my resume in front of me because i've done so many different things i can't keep it straight uh
0: well what are you passionate about today
2: all all those things still like i still love to ski um i was bartending in steamboat because we tj had a, a job um driving there. And I was like, Oh, bartend. Then we can go skiing on the weekends. Um, right now, when I met you two years ago, I, we were down in Tuella and, um, I was, I was like, I really need to change because graphic design, sitting behind a computer, getting overweight, wasn't eating right. Um, I was like, I need to change something. So then I learned about um, personal training and studied and became a personal trainer because of my wanting to change my lifestyle. And I'm like, if I do a job, you know, if I made, If I worked around it and made that like my primary focus, then I would incorporate that more personally as opposed to just trying to go to the gym on my own. Yeah. Um, And TJ and I ran a shop together here in Bozeman doing working on cars. And that I loved that because that really helped me with our relationship in terms of how to communicate about cars and then doing things like the road trip and the rallies. Um, I feel more prepared because I understand, um, more about how the cars work and, um, and driving different vehicles and stuff like that. Uh, art has always been a big thing. So when TJ and I bought the RV, we moved about 20 miles out of town, and the roads got really bad with winter, and I didn't want to drive into town. So I was like, okay, prime time to quit an actual job and just start painting. And so I stayed in the camper and just started painting and signed up for um, an art walk to get my stuff into a gallery because I needed that deadline and I needed I needed something to work towards. And um, been doing that and personal training on the side because people um, – word of mouth, people have just had good results with me. So I still kind of do that, but, um, on the side and as because I'm passionate about it. But that was, I really hope I answered your question (laughs) 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 because it is tricky because I do so many different things and it's because I, I do enjoy all of it. Um, I love learning new things and, and, um, yeah.
0: Well, it's what I tell people all the time is it's like so many times people feel stuck, right? They mm-hmm. feel stuck in their job or their career mm-hmm. or at any point in their life and it's like, well, what do you what do you enjoy? What are you passionate about? And a lot of people have a really hard time even expressing that or bringing that forth and kind of saying, well, this is really what I'm passionate about. But yep. so many times it's like figure out even if it's silly, right? Even if it seems like it's pointless, but it's something that you're super into and passionate about, make time and create time to do that. And allow for that to expand right because today in today's world you can literally make money fucking doing mm-hmm. anything and your source of income and money that you're going to use to put food on the table and a roof over your head you know you can definitely like my life right now is tailored in such a way where the way that I make money is the thing that I'm least passionate about mm. but it allows me the time to do all of these other things that I'm super passionate about Right now I'm in Montana fucking in Bozeman for a week hanging out and relaxing and I don't even have to think twice about work yep. or, you know, money or what I'm going to do or all this kind of stuff It's just simply because I've been able to kind of structure and tailor my life that way. But that didn't happen easily. Like that wasn't a conscious decision necessarily. That was me really leaning into those opportunities and also like recognizing when, um, I had to change things up because that's recent, Mm -hmm. like in the past six months. Prior to that, it was super busy and hard and so much of my time and energy was spent on um, my job, which was sucking the life out of me and then having the realizations like, fuck that. I really need to stop spending so much time and energy on that and make changes and let go of money. That's the biggest challenge for people, right? Because we place so much
1: around it. Money and stuff. That's been a big thing for me.
2: When it comes to to jobs, I mean, it's nice to find something that you're passionate about, but it's also good to, like, when you get put in a situation where you need a job and you got to find something now, sometimes it's how you find passions that you didn't know that you had. Um,
0: Let's pause for the siren as yeah, they pass. Yeah, sorry to everybody. <laughs> They're getting closer.
2: This is weird with headphones on.
1: I didn't want to interrupt, but I was going to say sorry to anybody listening to this in a car, wondering where that's coming <laughs> from. <laughs> Turn in the video. What, what, yeah. Where is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's on the, oh, it's in the podcast. Okay, never mind. Okay, where were you?
2: Um, I was saying that, you know, sometimes being in those situations where you need to have a job because you have bills to pay and you need to, um, you know, do something just for the meantime, they, they help you find passions that you didn't know that you had. Like running the shop with, with TJ... I mean, I was always kind of into cars, but it wasn't until it was our business that I really, like, enjoyed taking things apart and then putting things back together and then reading, you know, what goes where and how to, and troubleshooting. Um, and, it, yeah, that was a passion of TJ's that just kind of spilled over um, into me, and then I was able to to grow into that.
1: Well, that was fun living in the shop, too. And, you know, we lived where we worked. Our commute was pretty awesome.
2: The lifestyle. You yeah. Know, yeah. The, we, we had the car culture and the lifestyle of it is.
1: It was, was fun. I, I'm yeah. glad we did that. I'm also glad we're done. Um, I would live in a shop. Though I again. would live in a shop again, yeah. but I wouldn't live in a shop that I ran as a business yeah, no. again. That yeah. was a little rough after a while. But no, it was it was a great experience. And I think we both once we left to pursue my career as a driver, honestly, um, that suddenly came back to us later and we went man that really was a good time in our lives and it was
2: interesting because it was one of those moments where when you're in it like when i was in it i was so frustrated because we we basically (laughs) built up the upstairs and we were living in in an office and we had a fridge and a stove and a microwave but a hot plate uh, but the stove wasn't plugged in because we didn't have what is it 310 like we didn't have yeah
1: we didn't have uh, two twenty. We didn't around. have two twenty. Yeah,
2: so we had a hot plate that plugged in on top of the stove, and then I used the oven yeah. for like storage. And
1: no water upstairs. No water. So upstairs. like our, our shop sink downstairs was always full of dishes. <laughs> and it
2: Nothing was... like having an employee use your dish scrubber brush to clean car parts. Like, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, like in the moment, like when we were living there, I was so frustrated. I'm like, oh, I I just want a real house.
1: But I miss it. And
2: now I look back on it. I'm like, I want to live in that shop again so bad. And and it's just it's things that you don't know that you love until later, you know, and and yeah, you just got to throw yourself out there and try different things because sometimes you don't know what you you don't know what you love until you've been thrown into a mess.
1: Yeah. And had to figure it out. And that's, yeah. that's really why, you know, when we moved into the RV full time, well, I guess technically fifth wheel, but same thing. You guys get to um, carry on for a minute. When, when we moved into the RV full time, it was pretty amazing that number one, you were willing to, to do that to begin with. You know, there's not a lot of people that are people. You know that that are willing to do that
2: that's a small space for the two it is yeah yeah, we good (laughs) yeah
1: we've learned a lot um no but i i did notice you know when we moved in you spent all winter in the rv yep which basically means you know and i was traveling around for work and everything so for me i don't think it was nearly as long of a winter as it was for you it was, you know, we had the most snow Billings has ever had on yep. record. Record course, breaking snow and that's cold. That's the first winter we, the first time we ever, we, you know, we bought it in what, like September? September? And then, you know, basically lived through the winter. And so I think the the big challenge for me is that I know after that winter you were just kind of like, I don't want to do that again. And I'm ready to move on. And what about getting some property and a house? And I'm like, no, let's commit to this. I don't want to do the same thing we did with the shop and move on and then be like, damn it, we really should have stuck with that.
2: I totally agree. But the reason why is the reason why I wouldn't want to winter um, the way we did last winter one, because you were gone. um, But two, we got so lucky because that. The fifth we had was in great condition. Yeah, um, the hot water heater is just now starting to fail, um, but, but you know we could we could limp it along for a little while longer. The fridge um failed what a couple months ago but thankfully i was able to just throw you know the venison out into the yard and it stayed frozen in the snow yeah welcome (laughs) to montana you know yeah so like we were okay um the fan for the heater didn't go out until it was warm enough to where we didn't have to worry (laughs) about having a heater yeah and the water hose only froze i think twice and i was able to fix that i'm just saying like the, the things that went wrong we're like we were able to deal with it but those things aren't made to live in full time and that heater ran constantly i mean it was like 40 below zero for a solid like 12 days it was ridiculous yeah and and i don't honestly i just i don't think with how hard all the appliances and things worked this last winter i don't i don't i would hate to winter again and then have the fridge go out, the heater go out, the hot water heater go out, and the water freeze like all within the same week, which oh, I, I could totally knock on wood, but I, I could totally it. see that happen. No, I,
1: I get it. But I will say that, you know, you've got the opportunity to potentially go to Steamboat yeah. and do a, a big mural for, a you know, a really good amount of money, which would basically be like, a, that would be a huge thing for, for you, and for well, for both of us, honestly. Um, but I, as much as I want that to happen, part of me is like, well that means we're going to be living in the mountains in the winter in an RV. Like it's doing the same thing we just did last year. So it's kind of like, do we, we gotta, we gotta have that conversation at some point is, is doing the mural. Is it worth it to you to do that? Because
2: There, there needs to be other things that would fall into place because we would have to have, make sure that, you know, we have a little nest egg to be able to fix things when they go wrong.
1: Yeah. But I also don't want to procrastinate this conversation so that you want to have it right
2: now on the podcast probably not
1: at the the moment (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) moderate yeah (laughs) but no we really do need to discuss that because if that's a real thing and that's something that you want to pursue I want to support you to do that I want to do whatever I can to make that happen but that also means we're going to have to make some changes now so that we can make it happen
2: that is true
1: yeah how
0: good of a job do you guys do at communication with one another (sighs) god damn
1: it (laughs)
2: we <laughs> struggle right we, we are good about talking about how we need to be better about communicating
1: uh yeah that's a nice way to put it no we
0: uh i remember when i was a kid like oh we just had a buzz anyways i remember when i was a kid like literally as a teenager um coming up with this idea and this concept in my head that i thought i had because obviously you always think you've got everything fucking figured out and i was mm. so squared away and Um, But I remember thinking to myself that there were a few things that made up a good, healthy relationship. Obviously, you have to love the person. But I think before you can truly love somebody and be in love with them and love everything about them, right, you have to learn how to trust that person and you have to learn how to communicate with that person because we don't get the opportunity to open up fully, to experience the full extent that love has with another person unless we feel safe with them. And unless we feel like they hear us, right, we have to be able to communicate with them. So you have to trust the person. You have to be able to communicate with them. I did pretty fucking good as a teenager because I still believe those things today. Like that to me seems a really good foundational building block for a healthy relationship. And I think they go hand in hand, right? I'm not going to really truly trust somebody if they're not doing a good job of communicating with me. And vice versa. I don't expect my wife to trust me if i suck at communicating to her on the whole spectrum of communication not just day in and day out uh you know we've got to get this taken care of or that taken care of but the deep emotional connection and communication that can take place between two people so it sounds like you guys struggle in that space which is totally fucking normal right it takes time and energy and practice but in what ways do you guys, what are you doing right now to improve in that
1: space of communication between one another? Are you doing anything? Uh, yeah, I mean, trying different things is, you always, you're always trying to be better, you know, like we talked about earlier. But uh, right now I'm trying to be very clear with the things that I say and I'm trying to communicate what is going on and things that are happening with my existence and my life that will affect Danny so that if if something changes, it's not like last minute and I go, oh, by the way, we're doing this today because I know that's a pet peeve. Mm -hmm. So I'm really trying to be better. And it's funny because just communicating and saying, hey, uh, this is a change that's just happened and, you know, you need to be aware of it has also become like kind of annoying, I think, for you. So now I have to find a balance between like, okay, don't share everything, but don't forget to share everything. So it's a really, it's, it's a really weird balance. Um, but it seems to be, it seems to be much better than it used to be. So I'm glad that it's, we're making, we're making good progress. We go
2: through cycles too. Like, and, and it's, it's hard because he's gone Um, traveling for work all the time and every time he comes back it's like we need to learn how to communicate all over again because his job is basically a communicator so he you know he goes and and is telling people about you know the cars and, and his job is to basically talk for the whole time and then when he comes back he's in that mode and i'm like overwhelmed with everything that's going on yeah
1: because she's sat basically quiet for yeah, by two myself. weeks by herself and doesn't communicate with anyone and then i come home and it's like zero communication from her and i'm just like word vomit and so between the yeah we have to we're learning it's it's pretty wild um but we also can recognize that, which I yeah. think has been a really, really... Well, to be fair, she recognized that, <laughs> and then I took credit for it. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, it really, that that has been very beneficial to at least acknowledge that, that we have those things. Um, the one thing that I know a lot of couples deal with that we are dealing with right now is... Misunderstanding, mm. where I will say something intending one thing... And she will hear the exact same words that I said and interpret it exactly the opposite way that I meant it. So it's like, you look beautiful today. Did you just call me fat? And like, you know, not literally, you've never done that. But I mean, it is, it does. Sometimes it feels that way where I'm like, I, I uh, how did you get? what where did like how did what where did that come from like i don't even know how you got that from what i said
2: it's so interesting because we're so sarcastic with one another and we and we poke fun at one another all the time that when we get serious you know like when you flip a switch sometimes we're not on the same page but when we are on the same page things are awesome and we're like in each other's brains but then when when we are not in sync it's uh it's almost like we're, we're speaking the same language, but we cannot understand one another.
1: Yeah, all. there's definitely, there's some some frustrating times. But like, for example, when um, I, we, we both enjoy firearms. And so we have guns around the house, we have ammo around the house, and we have very strict rules for how we manage them, where we keep them. Um, anytime that we communicate about a weapon, because it is a deadly weapon, uh, you know, we are very, very clear about, what is happening so you know when i take my pistol off at the end of the day it's babe this is back in the spot or i want you to know i'm moving you know the revolver here and it's unloaded like when i come in to show you something that i'm you know want to show you on the weapon or whatever like here look it's empty like check this out we try to be very very clear with one another about that obviously that's for safety uh but what we've noticed is because I'm so clear about what's happening with the weapons, where they are, what they're doing, you know, how to handle them, etc. We've also been like, you know, this is actually working really well because I'm very clear about it. There's no bullshit. It's clear that I'm not being sarcastic. Um, and, And so I'm actually trying to do that type of communication more with just regular everyday conversations. Babe, I'm putting the keys I'm hanging the keys by the door. Like, and then sometimes, you know, she'll be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'll be like, did you hear me? Like, tell me what I just said. <laughs> she will be like, okay, sorry. Right. Yeah, you're putting the keys by the door. All right. And then the keys don't get lost. <laughs> so <laughs> we started doing that with certain things, and that's actually been, been really, really helpful. Um, but you also can't do that with everything. Um, you know, I can't come home and be like, like, grab you by the shoulders and be like, wife, I love you. But you do. Well, yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> you can't Husband, be like, you can't do you. that. Yeah. You know, like you got to, <laughs> yeah. especially for the two of us, like we have to, we have to maintain some sort of balance because we are sarcastic assholes. That's like who we are. Yeah. So, but anyway, we've, we've found that communicating much more clearly, um, has, has definitely been helpful in a lot of aspects of life, which yeah, that I want to continue doing that.
2: We've gotten, I think we've gotten away, um, with a lot in terms of our less than stellar communication skills because as, on a relationship level our our like core values are very much in line. Yeah. So there's stuff that's unspoken that um that we just are in sync with like um the way that we view um like loyalty and trust and just our core values um because of that we've been able to get away with our less than stellar communication skills.
1: Yeah. I would, I would agree with that. I think ultimately, and like, I think I told you yesterday or the day before when we had our conversation, which was, you know, when you, this, you know, this was me trying to communicate with you. when I said, just open up with me, like allow yourself to be vulnerable and tell me what you're really feeling good or bad. Mm. Um, I can, I can handle you haven't chased me off yet. Like I'm not going anywhere. I can handle the frustrations. I can handle the negative stuff, but I can't do anything about it if you don't tell me. So if, if, you know, if you'll just let the walls down, let me in and be vulnerable and just tell me when you're thinking something good, like you did yesterday and, and you just paused for a second and we were giving each other a hard time and you pause and you're like, I'm really lucky to have you. Like little moments like that go super far for me, but but you wouldn't know that unless I took a moment to tell you how important that is to me. Um, I think even this morning before we left, and I'm like, "This is me asking you." I don't even remember what it was, but you remember what I'm talking about? No. Perfect. That's how well our communication <laughs> works. But no, when as long as as long as we can be open with each other, and that that has been very helpful. You know, like I I know that I can take a moment to sit down with my wife and tell her that something is bothering me or that something is, is making me happy and that she's going to take the time to listen to me and it's going to mean something to her. Um, because I know that, that makes those conversations much easier to have. And I want to be able to do that for her and because I, I think that's so important. I want her to know that if there's something bothering her that she can come to me and I, and I will listen.
2: TJ's always been really good with communication and and I I'm more of the like I just clam up. I don't really I don't express myself unless it's in humor form like, or well, you know. We can
0: hear it in the podcast. Like TJ's yeah. very arti- not that yeah. you're not articulate, but by I mean he's a fucking wordsmith, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. He's going to sit there and <laughs> elaborate to the unteenth degree. Yeah on whatever thought, feeling, or expression he may have.
1: I get it, I'm verbose. And and, well, and that
2: honestly, that's been a communication issue of ours too, is because TJ can express his feelings and talk about it and, you know, explain it nine different ways. And then I'm like, I'm upset.
1: (laughs) I so we have this funny thing. You're totally right by the way, but I have to point this out because it makes me laugh. So we have this thing where I have to ask her If I ask her how she's doing, I always have to ask twice every time, because no matter what I do, if I say, how are you feeling? Good. Danny, how are you feeling? Oh, well, I mean, kind of got a headache and, you know, I don't know. I just sort of whatever. But the funny thing is, like, if, if I don't ask twice, good is the answer. And I never know what good means. So it really, like, we've kind of figured that those little things that you figure out over time has been great. I, I want to get to the point where I can just ask you the question and have you just be like, I actually have a headache right now and I'm a little bummed about it. Uh, but, you know, we're making progress. And the fact is that now, like, now we kind of laugh about it where you'll say good and then I'll just look at you and you'll be like, Actually, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, and then you'll like go into it automatically. Well,
2: I kind of have this issue where if something is isn't good, like if something's kind of negative, I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to give it more momentum. You know, I just want to be like, I have a headache. I'm trying to get rid of it. I don't want to talk about it because it'll stick around. Or you know,
1: like I've... i I get that law of attraction. Like you yeah. don't honestly like, don't want to give it any weight. I I totally understand that but I also think that some of that like not wanting to discuss the negative things in life is also partially unhealthy because there's a certain aspect of you know the way that your family dynamic is where it's like you with her family you just do not show weakness because it is it's like you'll be henpecked to death about any form of weakness and uh and they're my in-laws and i i love my in-laws genuinely i don't say that because my wife is here i'm really really lucky that i honestly love my in-laws one exception uh but <laughs> honestly my in-laws are great and and we both got lucky we really do love each other's yeah. families um which is kind of why i feel comfortable talking about it so it, it is funny to me because you know when we have the conversations that are genuine and real you know maybe it's after a couple beers or we're just talking about anything doesn't matter if it's politics or opinions or social statuses or it doesn't matter when we have those conversations they're great and they're genuine and, and you really get through but there's always an element of like if it gets uncomfortable at all there has there's a joke made and then it's laughing and then it's like you know they'll 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 bring it back to that little point use, whatever the use just attention yeah and so it's it's kind of like i see that in you a lot with us because i i think you just have learned that anything negative shouldn't be discussed because it's going to be the center of attention rather than actually moving on from it and getting it out and 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 like leaving it behind so to speak instead of bottling it up and just never addressing it i'm a good bottler Mm. oh my god (laughs) (laughs) yes she is so i
0: think that uh thank you guys so much for sharing like i love the um your willingness to share because that's why i like doing the podcast is somebody gets to listen and then think about this in the context of their life and their experiences and their relationship and hopefully spark some nugget of conversation that they have with somebody in their life so that's a wonderful thing for me personally when it comes to communication um, so much of it has changed recently for me and the reason being I mean there's a lot of reasons why I won't go into necessarily why that's changed but uh, Stephanie and I consciously make time and outside of just our regular normal everyday communication right and even though that may feel connected at times and that may feel deep in a sense we specifically make time to have even deeper connection and communication. And that's, a, that, that's like a conscious thing that has worked for us, but it, it takes work, right? It literally yeah. takes the opportunity of designating the opportunity that arises to like now's the time that we're actually going to talk on a more... Um, just on a deeper level so that the opportunity to express the things that we may brush off because we don't have the time or the opportunity and we're running here and we're running there. We're going to set aside time specifically to go into those areas. And then like TJ, you said a couple of different things that stood out to me, but one of them was like, if Danny expresses something or if she doesn't express something, uh, there's, then I can't do anything about it right if she doesn't address or bring forth some sort of issue or some feeling that she may be experiencing or some little thing within the context of your relationship and you're never aware of it then there's nothing that you can do about it and i totally agree i think that's you know obvious but at the same time this is what i have learned in my massive amounts of years of wisdom is it's like especially when it comes to women and it's not to say that women are so specifically different than men because we have tons of similarities But men just want to fix and solve whatever is presented before them, regardless of the context. If you're going to bring something to our attention, we're going to listen and we're going to hear and we're going to then fix it so that we can move on. Because it gives us validation as men and it's how we define our worth, especially in the context of our relationship, because we're keeping our wife or our spouse happy right? They're bringing forth an an issue or something like that. Oh, you just want to talk about your feelings. That's fine. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to listen to you. But that in itself is the me fixing something. And for me, when I like separated from the concept and idea that if Stephanie's feeling bad about something, I don't have to make her feel better. If she has some sort of Uh, shitty experience in life or some frustration or whatever the case may be, I want her to be able to express that and get that out. But then I don't have to go back and come up with a solution or a fix or advice even, right? I don't need to offer forth anything. The only thing I have to do is clearly show up in the space and listen. And so many times that involves shutting the fuck up and not waiting for my turn to talk, not waiting for Um, my opportunity to give that piece of advice or to offer forth a solution to whatever she may be facing it literally just consists of open ears and closed mouth and not in the disconnected way but in the real deep emotional connected way so that she is then heard and validated for her expression do you know what I mean yeah that's beneficial and i think there's a time and a place for it and then obviously there is a time and a place for fixing shit as well but it's yeah, such
1: our default we we've had some really great conversations lately in fact we actually had a really big fight maybe a week ago week and a half ago week ago yeah a few yeah. days ago yeah, recently recently and uh it, we don't need to go into the details of it, but point being like we ended up having a really great conversation afterwards, which I'm very grateful for. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I agree with everything you just said. One of the things that we have found over the years is that, uh, <laughs> oftentimes I feel like the woman in the relationship cause I'm, and I don't, I don't mean that in any negative way at all, but I just, I'm usually the one that's like, can we talk? i need to talk i I gotta get this out like i gotta can you just communicate with me oh my god just talk to me like sometimes i feel like i'm the traditional like female role in the relationship where danny's the stoic just like no i'm good i'm gonna bottle it up and i don't need to talk about it and i'm fine i'm how are you doing good that's all you need and so it like we do have in certain aspects our roles are reversed um But at the same time, I also have that, like you said, that very male instinct of like, what's the problem? Let's address it. Here we go. Okay, it's done. Sweet. All right, so let's move on. That one should be finished. All right, sweet. We're finished. Okay, cool. Moving on. What's the next problem? Here we go. Uh, So we kind of have a weird balance of both of those. Um, It's it's really awesome that no matter what happens between the two of us, we always want to work on it. We're always interested in both of us really want to be better and we want to have the best marriage and relationship that we possibly can. And no matter how frustrating the other person becomes, we still love each other and we still want to work on it. And we know there's always improvements to be made, um, for, for all parties involved. And so it's, it's really cool to have a, I mean, obviously I don't like fighting, but it's really cool to have the fight, and still love the other person and know that ultimately like it's all right we're gonna get through this we're gonna we're gonna end this on a good note we're gonna have a great conversation we're gonna make some progress out of this this is going to go somewhere that has made these that has made communicating and at the very least that has made our struggles with communication much easier to deal with because we know that no matter what happens i know that she's working on it and she knows that i'm working on it and ultimately our goal is the same to be better at it um, that if you have that with somebody is to me, I think more valuable than, than anything. Uh, because ultimately like you can't, you can't get better. You can't do anything if just one person is working. And so to know that we're both working on it is, is huge, at least for me.
2: Not, not to switch gears or anything, but.
1: But here it comes. But
2: here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> um, when people ask, cause we were together for like seven years before we got married. And when people asked, is it different? That's what made it different for me because it made it the it made the arguments more momentary, you know what I'm saying? Like, whereas before when we weren't married, it's like, Oh, this is the end, the end is coming, like it's gonna be over now. But now that we're yeah. married, it's like, Okay, you know, the fight, we're gonna get through this, we'll figure it out. And, um, I being together for so long before we got married, I didn't expect Marriage to be that big of a change, but it was. It really made things more um, solid, and I didn't have to fret about every little fight or hiccup and think that that it was always the end.
1: You know what's funny is I, I think for me the, the getting married. I mean, it is different in in certain senses, but it's funny that you say that because I can totally understand where you're coming from. But if I'm honest, it's to me it really isn't that different because while what you're saying makes perfect sense to me um like i i what happened to me before we were married when we would get in an argument was never like you know okay is this gonna work out or like what's gonna is danny gonna leave or like what's gonna happen it was more like is this really what i want Mm. and every single time i was like yeah so I was questioning what I really wanted rather than like whether or not you were going to stay. Uh, it sounds like it was, you know, maybe the opposite for you, but when we got married, it was no longer like, you know, like, yeah, this is, I already know this is what I want. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't leave, you know, you didn't leave. Like we were in this together before we got married. So, so now like knowing that we're married to me, if anything is just, I just, I don't have to ask myself that question anymore. It's like, I know I want to work on it. I know I want it to be better. And now instead of thinking like, oh, I wonder if there's something better out there or something different or like, is this really a smart thing? Or like all those dumb questions that you ask in the back of your mind, instead of thinking that now I think like, all right, what can I, (laughs) what can I fix? (laughs) Right. Or like, what can I work on? Like, how can I make this better? And so, so that for me has been the biggest change of being married is, is that my, my focus is no longer like what other options are there? It's like, what options do we have to be better? There's, there's no, like you're part of the picture now. Like you, you are the picture. Like our, our marriage, our life together is that's, that's my life. That's our life. So it's, it's the only option is to work on it is to get better. Um, that's the best thing for me. And I, and I, I love that. I'm very grateful for that, but it's, it was very different than it sounds like anyway that it was very different from from your experience, which was like, "Well, I wonder what's going to happen. Are we going to stay together?" And now you're like, "Okay, well, at least he has to stay together." Like you know, like
2: no, not that he. No. Well, uh, yeah, I should, yeah, I was kidding, obviously, yeah.
1: but no, it just ultimately it's the same. It's it's you know we have I think getting married was different for both of us, but it, I don't know if it was. I don't think it's changed as much for me. It's just now I just want to work on on us instead of like get frustrated and. Brush it off.
2: Well for me it was every every argument went from being the potential final argument to every argument being like, Okay, I'm learning a little bit more, we're failing forward in communication.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> You guys are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I've decided in the span of this uh, episode that you guys need a podcast.
2: <laughs> we were th- we were talking about doing one, like just our conversations when we drive in a car. Uh-huh. We're going to call it drive me crazy because <laughs> it just beat us <laughs> yeah. bitching back and forth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, fuck, my head wants to go a ton of different places, but I was looking at time. We probably should wrap up. Um It's good timing as well right now for this episode to take place because you guys are embarking on what I can tell, at least from looking at social media, something pretty badass and cool. Yeah, we're excited. So this is the opportunity to talk about it because I'm excited to hear
1: about it. Well, uh, Danny and I are involved with a charitable organization called Rally North America. It's basically a road rally that travels all over the United States uh, and we do it every year and we raise money for a different charity every year. This year, uh, the charity is is called COPS, or Concerns of Police Survivors. So basically their whole deal is they provide assistance uh, in a a myriad of different ways, but they provide assistance for the survivors of uh, law enforcement officers either killed or wounded in the line of duty.
2: So spouses or co-workers, family members. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, So they they do good work. And what we're going to do is basically this scavenger hunt It starts in Pueblo, Colorado and goes to Carson City, Nevada, all along the, it's for four days, all along the U.S. 50, so the longest road in America. And you hit the starting line in the morning, you leave, and when you leave, they give you a checkpoint card and it says, find this. And there's like a clue, 30 different clues. And then your goal is to get to as many of those as possible and then get to the finish line by a certain time. And then you get, you take pictures of yourself getting to these checkpoints. You try to get as many points as possible if you get a speeding ticket, if you get pulled over, uh, you get disqualified. So it's, it's all about just navigating and, and seeing the country and checking stuff out.
2: It's like the amazing race for, for people that like to drive their cars.
1: Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I can't believe it's been 10 years and I just, just heard that, I
2: say it with less.
1: but it is, yeah, <laughs> she really does. See, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, but anyway, we're, we're involved again this year and, um, we've been lucky enough to partner with a company called drive shop i work with drive shop and they've uh, made a pretty significant contribution to the charity as well as um gotten us a vehicle they worked with uh kia and kia is giving us a stinger gt which we're going to be driving on um, on the rally and uh they're essentially covering uh, uh they're helping us make the whole event possible so we're really excited for that and um if anybody is interested in donating uh you can if you're on instagram you can find me at tj drives and the link is in my bio and it's all tax deductible because it's a 501c3 charity uh, so you get a whole letter and everything any any dollar helps and it goes 100 of it goes straight to the charity we don't even run it through the uh the rally north america it just goes straight to uh to cops and we uh we, When's we the race? It, up. Uh, it is July... 5th? No, it's like July 12th through oh. the 16th or oh, something that like that. Or the 7th through the 12th. <laughs> I don't know. We have, a, we have a really long... Yeah, it's the 7th through the 12th. I'm sorry. So we have a really long... Uh, we're actually extending the trip. So that's right in the middle of our two and a half week road trip it's only four or five days uh, but uh, we're, we're really excited for it it's it's cool to be on board with uh, some companies that believe in what we're doing and that are helping us make it happen and and also contributing to the charity so now basically all of our our uh, funds and finances that we would normally put into doing the event we can actually do neat things with and, and contribute to helping make the event larger and uh, you know and donating as well so we're, we're pretty excited about it so very very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys are headed that way now, right?
0: Is yeah, that the, pretty much.
1: Kind of. We beginning? fly
2: to LA to pick up the car on Monday. Very cool. And then um we will drive around, you know, the west side of the United States, and then we'll drop the car off back in LA on the 18th of July. Yep.
1: So, fly home on, and then on fly that home. day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's so, like I said, it's about a two-week road trip, and we're uh, a little over two weeks. We're really really excited for it. So. That's way cool. Yeah. All for good cause, too, Mm -hmm. which is the best part. I think what I'm going to have to do, because I'm sitting here thinking as you're talking, the race starts July 7th. Yeah, I think 7th is the first day.
2: Pueblo, Colorado. Pueblo, (laughs) Colorado.
1: (laughs) Pueblo, Colorado,
0: yeah. That's like a week away, yeah? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. Well, what we'll do, because... I usually release episodes on Monday, so we'll make sure that this episode comes out in time so that people that hear the episode will be able to jump on and kind of follow the journey and check out everything as well. So,
1: Yeah, just uh, TJ Drives on social media and Danny Drives on Instagram. And uh, we're going to be just kind of documenting the whole thing. So we're we're Team Drive Shop, which uh, is kind of the big push since they're helping us out. Very, very cool. Yeah.
0: Anything else you guys you want to throw out?
1: Uh, No, but just... Thanks for being you, whoever you are, (laughs) listening to the podcast. We do genuinely appreciate you.
2: Hopefully, you know, we shared some nuggets and people, you know, got some some good stuff out of this.
1: Or just laughed at our stupidness. Or just laughed. Yeah,
0: that's good too. No, you guys are awesome. It was
1: wonderful. (laughs) I absolutely like. This was perfect yeah well Craig you're the man we uh, we really do appreciate you know what you do and you and and Stephanie have had a great impact on on our lives together mm-hmm. and and we're just we feel grateful that we bumped into you guys and we just happened to live across from the studio you guys were <laughs> using uh, when we were in Utah so yeah. yeah thanks for having us again man it's always good to see you and we're looking forward to doing another one soon thank you guys yeah, yeah. thank
2: you it is so much easier to be validated and to play the victim than it is to To take ownership over your stuff and do the work to make it better.
1: I didn't realize how much I was actually on social media until I quit using it.
2: I'm happier when I'm in shape. And then I can can dedicate that heightened state into something like my art. I feel like it can go either one of two ways. It's like you can either relax into the label and play the victim and be like, Oh, well, this is what I have. I'm going to, you know, and that's just the way it is. Or you can be like, this is what I have. How do I get rid of it?